Hey everybody, you're listening to Living Theology with the Luby Brothers, a podcast dedicated to understanding and living out the gospel. The gospel that brings us to God and transforms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are your hosts, Doug, Greg, and Mark Luby. We're continuing in our series on the gospel and race. And last time we talked about how everyone is made in the image of God. And so everyone has a dignity and value and worth. And that when someone is unjustly killed or or treated unjustly, there's something to be grieved about that. And Doug, would you introduce where we're going next in this conversation for us today? Today, we are going to focus our discussion on the relationship between the gospel and justice justice on a societal level evil and because within evangelical christianity this is a large debate right now how do the two relate what is the church called to do to be in the world even it becomes a question of what really is the gospel what does it mean for christ to be king what does it mean for us to live out his kingdom on the earth and to begin this i'm actually going to read two stanzas from the song joy to the world Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. What I love about joy to the world is it does begin with the call for every heart to prepare him room that christ would be king of everything in their lives essentially and most fundamentally the gospel is a restoration of humanity to relationship with god while we were alienated with him before because of what christ has done we can have faith in him and now walk in newness of life in christ but that's not where the gospel ends. I love how that third stanza says, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. What Isaac Watts is getting at here is that the gospel, what Christ is doing to bring about redemption is total. As much as sin has brought about a curse throughout the entirety of creation, Christ is going to deal with, with all of that. He's going to undo all of the brokenness in the world, a total redemption that God and Christ will unite all things in him. So now as Christians, those who have made Christ our king, prepared him room, we are as a fruit of this relationship with him to live out his story, to be a part of his redemption in this world. And as I mentioned earlier in evangelical circles, it becomes attention here as we want to focus on the gospel, focus on Christ and relationship with him. And sometimes we're wary that people are going to turn from following Christ to just be concerned about social issues. And in the minute, we'll talk about social justice and what the world says about that, how it aligns or doesn't align with the gospel. But before we get there, I would just want to throw out to you guys, if someone would say, just preach Christ, how would you respond to that? Yeah, so if someone said, just preach Christ, 
it really gets down to a question of, well, how, how do you understand who Christ is and what he has done? I think a beautiful mm-hmm. passage uh, similar to the Isaac Watts Joy to the World, just because the theme of Christmas and uh, for me, that song evokes Isaiah in my mind just because of the Christmas season and the promises of Christ coming into the world at Christmas. But Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 is just a beautiful passage. And this is this is the Christian hope of Christ coming into the world. And this is what it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so looking at that passage, it's pretty incredible because the promise is made is that there's going to be this child who's going to be given. And in his name is that he's the wonderful counselor, he's mighty God, he's everlasting father, he's the prince of peace. He's going to bring about the peace, the shalom of God to the whole world. And his government's going to have no end. And he's going to rule with justice and righteousness. So even thinking out there, like, what is the promise that we have in Christ? What does it mean to preach Christ? Like, surely it has to mean that we preach the whole of what Scripture says about Christ. And what Scripture promises us is that we have a Messiah, a Savior coming into this world who's coming to bring about peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He's going to establish justice. He's going to reign in righteousness. Now, if you fast forward about 700 years from this passage, because this was written about 700 years before Jesus Christ came into the world as the child who was born to us, and you fast forward to when Christ is here, uh, what's amazing is Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, you know, don't think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so you have Christ saying that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And what's spoken in the law of the prophets You have the beautiful laid out law of God, the love of your neighbor, which he summed up as love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the loving God. It's loving your neighbor, which surely has to include the the kingdom ethic of, of justice and mercy and love. And then you have the prophets, which are speaking of these promises. And so Christ is saying, basically, I'm here. I'm fulfilling all of what's been spoken to you, Israel, and these promises. And here I am. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to fulfill what has been spoken. And so I think the idea of just preach the gospel, just preach Christ, it really comes down to a question of, well, who is Christ and what has he done? And Doug, this is where that that song lyric is so helpful. He came to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And if the effects of sin enter into every area of our world from the thorns and thistles that grow in the ground, to our broken relationships between brother and sister, um, Adam and Eve, between our societies and injustice that exists on both the most minor and large levels. And like, surely the gospel speaks to that. And the beauty, beautiful gift of the gospel is that Christ as the savior of the world came to bring us peace with God, but he came to bring uh, healing and reconciliation. He came to make all things new. And I think that's just the beautiful picture of like, it's yes, let's just preach Christ, you know, but but let's not preach less than the scripture tells us of who Christ is. 
one day his justice will be perfectly and fully displayed when he returns and he will make all things new. But today, his church is also called to live out his kingdom. Greg, what was a passage that you were looking at talking about how even today the church is to live out what Christ is calling us to? Yeah, so in Matthew 25, 34, I'll read this passage and describe it a little bit, but it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? Clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did, or one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then he goes into, in the next part, going to the other side of that, saying that for those who haven't done these things, um, there's judgment. And so we see here this passage of describing just the fruit of the life of a Christian, of caring for others, of helping those in need, of having really tangible impacts in our actions as the byproduct of being born again by the Spirit. And this passage is just a clear depiction of that idea. Absolutely. I think it's helpful to remember that to be a Christian is not just to agree to a set of theological beliefs, but it is to follow Christ as Lord. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The gospel calls us to live out our theology, live out our beliefs, and the church is to follow Christ's example, to care for those who are broken, who are needy, who are oppressed. I think that in the church there can almost be a tendency to balance between two pendulums. And one is really understanding that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Nothing that we've done, will do, saves us, but faith in Christ alone saves us. And I think that that's something that we just have to understand and believe. But sometimes when people talk about preach Christ alone, I think they're trying to communicate, let's really hold on to this truth. Let's not lose sight of this. But then the other side of it, the other pendulum that you can kind of see taking place as well, shouldn't this transform our lives? So let's focus on really helping those in need, on caring for the poor, on doing these good things, and let's just not focus on theology. So there can almost be a pendulum and a back and forth where it's reacting to one another. But as Christians, we believe that let's hold on to both of these. These aren't, a, let's not set up a false dichotomy between the two. Let's hold on to both of those and have those together shape how we live and how we function in yeah. society as Christians and how we care for and love those and neither of them has to be lost but both of them yeah. is even in the way you see christ live his life the way he preaches and so when we talk about cre- preaching christ we see that was more of just what he preaches both yeah mm-hmm. greg that is helpful 
because it is something that we see in history that a lot of times the church has moved away from the simple truth of the gospel, from the necessity of faith in Christ, from the sufficiency of Christ alone for salvation, and become about other things. And we can't do that. If we give up Christ, we have nothing left for the world. But I was reading Carl Ellis's book on like free at last, talking about the gospel and the African-American experience. And he describes how in the 20th century, the liberal church moved away from the inspired view of scripture, but it still held on to a lot of the biblical ethic and tried to live it out. But then the evangelical church in opposition to liberalism held to the truth of the doctrines of scripture, but actually in some ways emphasized, lived out the kingdom ethic less than the liberals did. So it shouldn't be that we have to choose between the truth of the word and the ethics of the kingdom. But for some reason it's ingrained in our system that we have to, at least in the issues of race. But in many other areas, the church says, actually, it is good to address issues in the world. Can you guys think of maybe a couple of examples where the church would say this social is- issue is something that we will deal with? Yeah, I think it's uh, a good question. A clear one that comes to my mind is many evangelicals would be totally open to saying, yeah, I am uh for pro-life movements Um, when thinking about the lives of unborn children they would say no this is an issue of the omago day that um is is not the basis of our salvation how we respond to this issue but it is a necessary issue that we speak to from a christian perspective um and so that that would be one clear one where i think like oh like christians would say abortion is an Imago Dei issue. Sex trafficking is an Imago Dei issue. And so I think, um, yeah, if, if we then say, well, but issues of racial injustice are not an issue that Christianity speaks to, it, it, there's an inconsistency because there's the Imago Dei uh, in every man and woman, born or unborn, um, and black or white, or whatever ethnicity or background or color we are, like there, there's the Imago Dei, this dignity and value and worth. And so I think there could be some inconsistency there if we pick certain issues to speak to, um, especially if we, if we pick to speak to certain issues, but not the whole gambit of what scripture would actually push us towards or what the kingdom of God would really push us towards in loving our neighbor. Um, and, it's, and it's, of course, one of the ironies that we can see in our own world is, is it can be very easy, based on your political camp, to have a narrow view that doesn't fully encompass the kingdom of God and all the values it should have. That it doesn't fully encompass what Christ calls us to in the Sermon on the Mount or just in the whole of Scripture and the law of God. Mark, that is helpful because we do realize, as the evangelical church, that there are issues in our society that need to be addressed by the gospel. We all know that a father who's mistreating his children is living out of line with the gospel and we need to like help him to actually live out what God is calling him to be as a father. But we often have this tendency to shrink the gospel to our own set of felt needs. This is one of the things that Dr. Carl Ellis says is that the gospel does address every human need, but 
if I don't feel a need for a certain solution that the gospel provides, I can begin to conclude that that's not actually part of the gospel. But if I have a felt need, then we see the connections to the gospel. So anxiety is something that is very common. And we can see easily the connections that this has to the gospel, that Christ has paid for our sin, that Christ is reigning, that Christ is ruling, he will make all things new. These things address our anxiety or our assurance of salvation. We can see how that's connected to the gospel because you can truly have faith in Christ and not be confident that you are going to reach salvation. You can become a Christian without this assurance, but it is important for us to believe that Christ will hold us fast. This is part of the implications of the gospel. But then if there's things that are not your felt need, you can begin to say, well, that's just extra because I don't feel the need for that. And I've just noticed that that point has been something that's been really true of what I've seen as I've talked to different people with different felt needs around just this topic of race. And I've known a lot of people who haven't seen it as a big deal or thought that just in general this issue doesn't matter too much because they've never had personal experience with it but I've noticed that as I've had a lot of friends from different backgrounds and races that I've talked to about this it seems like there's a lot bigger felt need and that they've even felt that other people have ignored that or doesn't think that that's real or legitimate or feel like they need to not even talk about that felt need because other people don't perceive it or experience it and they don't want to be thought of differently or even looked down upon because they bring it up as a real need yeah no I think that's really helpful what you guys are both saying about the relevance of is this something I'm feeling experiencing involved in um and I, th- I think it does just get push us to the danger of being captured in our own perspective and danger mm-hmm. of being captured in one ideology. One issue I've thought about even in these days is the issue of confirmation bias, and which is essentially where we're disposed to f- see information agreeing with what we already are assuming is true. And we're disposed to take in the information that we want to have because it agrees with what we already think. And so uh, in our culture, and that's not new, I think that's just human nature. And so I, I don't want to be too much like, oh, this is our culture. This is this has never happened before. No, I think that's, that's, that's human history. But in our culture, I think particularly one of the issues is the massive amount of information available. And it's sort of like any belief that you want to have, you can find someone to confirm your beliefs. And we're seeing this obviously with this pandemic, um, and uh, we're, we're seeing it on political issues. We're seeing it along racial issues. That there can be such an, a desire to confirm what we've already decided we believe, what we've already decided we feel is right and true. And I think it gets us back to just the heart of what are we trying to do in our own lives? What's the heart of this podcast? Is how do we live out the gospel? And really, that's where I think there has to be a humility where we say, okay, let's go to what the Word of God says. And if we're going to preach Christ, let's do it. 
like, let's study the scriptures and say, like, what promises do we have in Christ? What, what hope do we have in Jesus as our Savior? What are we called to live as? Um, who are we called to live as in the world? Like, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'm not going to stop Jesus and say, whoa, whoa, Jesus, doing good deeds, that's not a gospel issue. Like, it's like, no, like Christ as the king of his kingdom knows what he's saying. And he's, he's coming, he's laying down this beautiful ethic of who we are called to be as God's people. And we're called to be the people who um, uphold the justice, the mercy, the grace, the kindness, the tenderness that God himself has shown to us through his son, Jesus Christ. When he came into the world in Christ, the just was sacrificed for us, the unjust, that we might be brought to God that we might be transformed, that we might then live with his heart in this world, that we would see his mercy, his grace, his kindness, and his justice reign supremely. And so I I think just even in these days, this question of, man, are are we getting caught into political, worldly ideologies that are actually distracting us from embracing the fullness of who God's calling us to be? And so as we talk about this perspective of the gospel and justice, how do they relate? Ultimately, I think they relate through Christ, the king of the kingdom, coming to bring his blessings as far as the curse is found. From what we've said so far, it's clear that all of us believe that justice is a fruit of the gospel. All of us are convinced that as individuals, we're supposed to live this out. It's also something that we're seeing as the church is called to live out the ethics of God's kingdom in the world. Now that gets complicated in a broken, fallen world like we're in. So let's just throw out the term social justice. As you guys hear that term, how does that relate to biblical justice? What would be your response to what the world in its variety of ways says about justice? Doug, I think the way that you talk about a variety of forms of social justice is really helpful because the reality is someone might come to the topic of social justice and they might have one set of ideas in their mind and someone else might come to the topic of social justice and have a completely different set of ideas in mind of what they're talking about. And there may be overlap but they also may contradict. And this isn't even just from a Christian perspective, but even just in our world, people are going to have competing views of what really justice is to look like as it's lived out in our world. So then how do we think about this as Christians with these differing views? Maybe this is overly simplistic, but perhaps one way we could just think about it is we can align with movements of social justice insofar as they align with the kingdom of God and the values of the kingdom of God, where we see the dignity and the value of people affirmed, whether black or white or Asian or born or unborn or whatever background, age, ability, across all these spectrums where we see injustices done towards people, we can speak against that because that's an issue of being image bearers of God. Mm -hmm. And As we think of the issues and the problems from the smallest level of the human heart to society and structures within our world and how uh, injustice ultimately plays out, I think as Christians, what is our role? We we should engage. Now, the reality is there's going to be organizations and movements that are going to have all sorts of views of human flourishing. And we may agree with some organizations on some points. Um, we, we may disagree on some strong points. So maybe our response then is where we can partner to partner. 
and where we can't partner that we wouldn't partner but we would lovingly say hey no this i, I see things differently as the word of god speaks it and so i, I can't stand on this and to offer the alternative of uh, what God's justice and mercy and kindness looks like. I think one danger, though, is uh, a concept Jamar Tisby calls being reflexively dismissive. And to be reflexively dismissive is to hear something and to kind of immediately dismiss it. And I think that there can be a danger of being reflexively dismissive about social justice because you kind of assume what someone else is thinking and you say, no, 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 I can't be involved in this or that, or you might have this agenda. And so I'm going to just step out of this. Now, the truth is, as Christians, we aren't going to partner in everything that our world says about what justice is. But if the alternative that we offer is merely just abdicating our responsibility and sitting on our hands and doing nothing, like, oh, man, that's not a good alternative. Uh, We have to think, what, what is a Christian alternative to seeking justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God in this world look like? That, that's what we're called to offer. And, and so this, this conversation is going to take nuance. It's going to take discussion. It's going to take listening. And it's going to take patience. And those are things which are difficult for me and I'm sure are difficult for all of us. And we're going to grow in together. Definitely. Social justice calls for nuance because there's so much involved. There's so many things that different people mean. But as Christians, we are called to live out biblical justice. And there's ways that biblical justice aligns with what our culture says about social justice. And there's ways that it certainly doesn't. But every culture has ways that it's aligned with the kingdom of God and ways that it's not. And cultures over time shift. And there's certain ways that our culture today reflects for and calls for the justice of the kingdom of God that it didn't 50 years ago. And there's other ways that our culture is against God's values and ethics. So for us, yeah, there has to be a nuance. We also have to be willing to engage with what does the Bible actually say. It's easy to be taken captive by the thoughts of the world and to be one-sided in anything versus are we really taking what the world is saying, whether it's conservative or liberal, wherever it is, and laying it at the foot of scripture? And am I willing to even read scripture in a way that will challenge what I believe and think? Because often people take what the world is saying and just look for things that confirm their own beliefs. But oftentimes we can do that in scripture as well and not realize that we're actually treating scripture as though it's subservient to my own opinions. Or am I willing to really be changed, confronted by the word of God that is above me, that's above any culture, but that is freedom over me. Greg, as you think through even moving forward with addressing justice, what are some of your concluding thoughts on how we can move forward as the church? Yeah, as this topic is so nuanced as we've been talking about, I think that we really want to be careful uh, to default not to inaction because it is so complex. And that can be an easy thing to do, just say, I there's so much, I don't know exactly how to do it, I don't know what I can do, so therefore just... I'll just wait around and see what happens. And I think we really want to default to action in ways that we can. But even in that, it's hard to know what do I exactly do? How am I being, how do I be faithful in this? How do I be 
a representation of Christ and walk by faith and obedience to God. And I don't know that I'm going to have an exact conclusion to say, here's what you should do. But I really think that with these topics, they are more nuanced, more of my advice and more the way I've been going and navigating in my own life is being led by the Spirit of God, is spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer and asking, Lord, what would you have me do? What is this going to look like? What? How do I actually apply living in light of the truth of the Imago Dei and loving my neighbor as myself? And in what areas do I do that personally with relationships around me? And what day, way do I do that with culture and society? Do I do that through movements and really just asking the Lord for wisdom and leading? And if there's something that you don't know if one way or you're not being led, maybe just default to action and trust the Lord in that way. But yeah, so even as I've thought about this topic, there's really some small steps I feel like I've been taking, but I've also really been praying through, Lord, what are some of these bigger steps or maybe ways that you're going to be leading me? And I feel like the Lord's beginning to do that in some ways, but I don't fully know yet. And so I'm continuing just to pray, to ask questions, to try to learn and try to have my hands open to God. What what do you want me to do in light of this and where are you leading me? Thanks, Greg. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope it's of encouragement to you and that you join us next time for another discussion. The music excerpts for this podcast come from the song Enthusiast by Tours, which is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. More information can be found in the show notes.